0: Thank you. Oh, man, what a great time to worship together with you guys, and, um, and it's good to be with you guys one last time uh, before uh, we do leave tonight, um, but it's been a great time with you guys. Hey, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. I said the very first night, and if you, if, if you haven't even been here throughout this week, we're talking about faith. We're talking about different aspects of faith, um, how to develop a genuine and a consistent or stable uh, last night we looked at what's a productive faith look like and how do we have that. And tonight I want to talk about like, what a what does a f- great faith look like? like? Like just in practicality, when you see somebody just trusting God, what what's the m- most impressive faith that you can see from somebody? And that's what we're going to talk about. I, this is one of the, man, the best things that... We've gone through, Sherry has listed this many times because I, I just have, we have to remind ourselves of these truths so many times, but, um, but it's another journey that I went through. This week I've been telling you all the things that I used to believe that were just not quite right, and this is another one when it comes to what a great faith, like a real impressive faith, uh, a, a faith that makes me go, what, that's what we're going to talk about, and I had a different idea about what that kind of faith would look like based on how I grew up. Uh, maybe somebody can relate to me, but in my church that I grew up, I think I told you guys on Sunday that I grew up in the country in little white steeple church, you know, 100 people, little Baptist church in the country, and very classic Baptist church where in the morning there's a service and it. You know, Wednesday night there's like a prayer meeting, and Sunday nights was our praise and sharing time. I don't know if you ever had that or anything in a church where you get together and you sing songs, and we had hymn books and everything else. You know, you choose a song from the hymn book and the... Later, we'd be up there in the piano and play the song. And we'd all sing that. And then in between the songs, people would stand up and share a testimony. Like, hey, this is what God has been doing. Here's what God has been doing. And then we'd sing another song, and then we'd do that a lot of times. Um, and here I'm a little kid, five years old and just growing up, five to ten years old, listening and just absorbing what's going on around me. And here's what people are doing each Sunday night. They stand up and they say, hey, I know you guys have been really praying for me, I didn't have a job, and, um, and so we were just trusting God, me and my family were trusting God uh, that I get a job, we were getting out of, we were really low on money, and uh, this last week, God answered our prayer, and, um, and we trusted him, and now I'm, I got this job, and you know, with whatever company, and everybody claps, you know, praise God. Okay. Hey, I know you guys were praying for me and my wife, my wife was sick, and um, you know, we're praying, and we really, we're were we just trusting God that he would heal her. He's the healer. He's the great physician. And just want to let you know, we came back from the doctor this last week, and she has no sign of cancer at all in her body anymore. And we're all, I mean, of course we're all clapping, right? But this is, like, crazy. And it's not like I wasn't, I'm, I'm not saying that that didn't happen. Like, God didn't do that. I'm just saying those are the stories that were being shared. And somebody else would stand up. And, you know, the whole story about, like, um, something like, "Hey, you know, we, uh, we we're about to lose our mortgage in our house. We, were, you know, I had no money to pay the mortgage, and we, I went out to the mailbox. And, you know, we're just praying and we're just we just trusting in God. We're just believing by faith that He's going to come through for us. and And I go out to the mailbox, and I totally forgot about uh, a tax re, tax refund that I was going to get from the IRS, and it was the exact amount of money that was needed in order to pay that mortgage. Wow." Praise God, you know, we can just trust him. So I just hear these these testimonies. Coupled with that, we would have missionaries that would come every once in a while. And I remember, like, missionaries would come, and they would say, hey, yeah, we went to this one village, and and uh, their villages were totally against us. They were, they were actually, you know, they, they didn't want us to be there at all, and and uh, they were uh, they were going to actually like war against us or something. We just trusted God. We got together. We prayed. And we we said, God, you know, by faith, we're just going to trust you. You're going to work this out. And and then the chief became uh, a follower of Jesus, and and it, and it all worked out. And and now the gospel is being put there, and you're like, wow, this is incredible that that what God is doing and and people's faith. And um and then I was in Sunday school, and this. These are the accounts that were shared in Sunday school class. There was this guy named David who faced a giant, and he trusted God, and what happened? The giant was defeated because David trusted God so much. Then there was a guy named Noah, and he built the boat because he trusted God, and God protected him from this worldwide flood, and he and his family, and they were protected because they had just so much faith in God. And then there was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were the, these three guys that they just trusted God and they were thrown into this fire and they didn't burn up at all. And you know, God just protected them and they just they were just trusting God. And over and over and over again, I was hearing a common thing. Which was: I came up with this thing, listening to all of this, that great faith is someone who can say, I trust. God will work things out. I have no doubts at all. I have complete faith that God is going to work this out. And I would say, I, I, maybe you agree with me, I think that is a tremendous amount of faith. I, I, I think it is. It, it blew me away, like, you, no doubts at all. I mean, I'm just, I'm a kid. No doubts at all? That God would heal your wife, or that God would, you know, g- get you that money, or God would rescue you from this, or, you know, no, no doubts at all, that Dave, David had no doubts at all standing, you know, and, and face the giant, just know, like, this is it, like, I'm just going to trust God, I know he will work it out, I know he'll work it out. And I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel thing, because I didn't have the idea that, you know, prosperity gospel is, if you if you follow Jesus, nothing bad will happen, Like, it'll all be good. I wasn't, I mean, that's not what I was hearing from people, that it was just all good. But it was this, that it wouldn't get so bad that it couldn't get fixed. It would get bad. It could get bad. But it wouldn't get so bad that it couldn't get fixed. And it would get fixed if we just trusted God through the bad and trusted him enough, then it would get fixed. That's what I was seeing and hearing and, and, and just everything was just kind of... Wasn't, nothing was really said. That wasn't really told to me. I just came up with this as I continued to hear this stuff. And it was kind of like... Again, it's not like prosperity thing, but it's, it's like I thought that life would be, if you just trust God, would be a lot like an animated Disney movie. And every animated Disney movie... I think they get into a place. I think they actually have this template somewhere. I don't know. But think about your favorite Disney animated movie. And it probably goes something like this a little bit of variation, but this is what it goes. Everything begins pretty good. You know, everything's fine. The car's winning all the races. It's fun. You know, everything's cool. The toys are playing with, you know, with the, you know, oh, it's great. And everybody's all together. And then the wheels fall off. Something bad happens. Oh, the fish gets lost. Oh, the car falls off the truck. Oh, this new toy that we really hate has arrived. Oh no, you know. Oh, this really bad. Th- Everything just something bad happens, right? But when that bad thing happens, okay, then there's this journey through most of the movie. This journey of kind of redemption where, yeah, that bad thing happened, but, you know, it's also gave them a chance to find out what friendship really is all about. And that that bad toy really isn't that bad after all. And that, you know what, if I didn't fall off the truck, I wouldn't have met that girl car and we couldn't have fallen in love. And, you know, it's it's great. And so, you you know, oh, the beast isn't that bad after all. And, you know, oh, you're you're thinking, see, you're thinking, whatever, it doesn't matter. Just think of your movie. There it is. And so here he goes, and then it gets to this part where it's like really redeemed and stuff. It's like, oh, this is fantastic, maybe even better than how it began. And then, and then what happens is all of a sudden, and every single one at the end, oh, no. He just got shot in the back with an arrow, and the last petal of the rose fell off. It's never going to work out. Oh, no, the guy, he was supposed to be a really good guy, and now he's not even a good guy at all. Oh no! You know this is horrible, horrible. and and then suddenly, as, ba- as fast as it goes down, oh wait, everything's fine. Oh, oh, oh my goodness! I didn't see that coming. Oh, the pedal did, but the, he, oh, he changed back into the prince. Oh, this is fantastic. Okay, everything's good, and then they live happily ever after. Until sequel, if there's a sequel, but that's it. <laughs> this is how I said this is how it'll be. Yes, uh, the good times are hard, the bad times, but in the end, if I just stick with God, if I just trust him that he will work it out, he will work this out. He'll work this out. And I had these passages, these Bible verses that would really also supplement that, made me think this. Um, let's uh, think of a couple of them. Uh, Romans 8.28. Anybody know what Romans, these are not uncommon verses. Romans 8, 28, anybody know that one? We know that all things will work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Okay, there it is. Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I remember these football players would have it on there right before football games. Hey, you know what? We can do this game. We can do this. I would, I would remember that verse every time before I take a test. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me that if I just trust him enough, I'll pass. I'll be able to finish this task. I'm about to race this, fin- do this race. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I will be able to accomplish this thing if I just trust him. And then... A lot of people's favorite, Jeremiah 29, 11. Maybe even you have that tattooed somewhere. That, I mean, that's it, and it's a great one. I'm not in doubt. That's a great verse. What is it? I know the plans I have for you. Plan not to harm you, but to get to bless you. And I'm paraphrasing. And not to bring about, about evil, but I, I, to bring you hope and a future. There it is there it is if i trust him enough he will work it out it's even what he's told me he really wants that's what he's planned to do and he and of course hebrews 11 which is where we're at hebrews 11 starts out with hey uh, talking about faith it's called the faith chapter and if you go through it it says Character after character after character. By faith, Abraham left his home but then was taken care of and found a country. By faith, Abraham trusted God enough that finally he had a child. By faith, Moses um, parted the Red Sea and, and, and rescued all the people of Israel. By faith, Noah built an ark and, and was rescued and kept safe through this flood. By faith, these people accomplished this and accomplished this. You know why? Because they trusted God would work things out. And they didn't doubt it. Now, what also was happening in my mind, and I don't, again, it just was the flip side of this, that if things didn't work out, because not every time things did work out. If things didn't work out, that simply meant that I doubted God a little too much. But if I would have trusted him just a little bit more, it really would have worked out. That's how I was looking for me. And you pick up, even by... Uh, On Hebrews 11, we'll just pick it up in verse, actually, 32, where after he talks about all these different people and all these things that God did incredibly for them, he just kind of sums it all up and says this, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets. And then he just lists the stuff. Who through faith, so through faith did what? Conquered kingdoms. Wow. Wow. Enforced justice, brought about justice, got rid of injustice. Obtained promises. God promised they experienced the promises of God that God said would happen. Stop the mouths of lions. Who's that? Daniel. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was put in there, and he just trusted God, and the lions never need, it didn't quench Quenched the power of fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Escaped the edge of the sword. So many of them. We're made strong out of weakness. You could say, "Well, maybe Gideon, maybe Samson," but they're, they're, they were, that's what happened. They were made strong. This is all by faith. This is all through faith. Became mighty in war through faith. Put foreign armies to flight. And then the first line of verse thirty-five is like the biggest one. Women receive back their dead by resurrection, by faith. My husband died, or my child died, and I'm going to trust God. That he's gonna work this out and raise us from the dead. Okay, I got it. Real strong faith, real impressive faith. I trust God and I will not doubt. I would trust God to work things out. And then I did something pretty radical one day. I kept reading, it was amazing. And it says this, verse 35, when we received back their death by resurrection, some, and the actual word in the Greek is others, were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. It's clear there, it's saying they were tortured to death. They were tortured and they, it didn't stop. Whoa, hold it. It's supposed to curve back up. They were tortured, and it didn't stop. What? So that they might rise again to a better life. Okay, they were taken care of after, after this life, but tortured for their entire lives here. Others suffered mocking and flogging. And even chains and imprisonment, the context is for the rest of their lives. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. That's probably talking about Isaiah the prophet, the history, the Israel history of Isaiah is that this is what happened. He was prophesying to a king that he that the king did not like what Isaiah was saying. And so they put Isaiah into a hollow log, laid him into a hollow log, and took a saw and cut the saw, or or cut the log in half. They were killed with the sword. Didn't he just say that people escaped the sword? See, verse 34, quench the power of fire, escape the edge of the sword. Oh, other people didn't escape the, the sword. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats. They didn't have any money for clothes. Destitute, not a penny for their lives. Afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wow, what an interjection in there. And he goes back, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. The actual Greek says holes in the ground. People lived in holes in the ground for their entire lives. They didn't have homes. The check didn't come in the mailbox from the IRS. They lost their home. What? What? I never heard those testimonies. Nobody ever stood up on the Sunday night and said, hey, I just want to let you guys know that uh, you know, you've been praying for me to get a job, and you know that I'd, be, if I, I'd lose my house if I didn't. just want to make sure you guys know that I, uh, I never did get that job, and, um, and I'm on the street right now, and uh, let's praise God. I, I never heard that. Hey, you know, we're, my, you, know, you know you've been praying for my sister. She's been sick and uh, praying that she'd be better. Well, she never did get better, and she died. Nobody shared that. But here it is. And I thought for a second, as I went through it, I went, oh, I got it, it says others. These are the people, see it's contrasting. These are the people who didn't have enough faith. That's why there's like, they escaped the sword because they had enough faith. They died by the sword because they didn't have enough faith. He's trying to make a point here. This is what can happen if you don't trust God enough until I read the next line. And all of these, though commended through their faith, commended is a commendation. They were given medals for their faith. They didn't have a problem with faith. Now I'm really messed up. And it says, they didn't, they didn't receive what was promised. Do you remember, some, some, by faith, people received the promises. By faith, these people didn't receive a promise at all. What? What you go, how does it... Now, when I first read that, you go, God didn't come through with his promise? No, God comes through with his promises. But people don't necessarily live at the exact time when God actually fulfills his promises. For instance, God promised Abraham that after 400 years in Egypt, what was he going to do? I will, I promise you, I will take them back out of Egypt and put them back into the promised land. How many generations of people obtained that promise, one. Only one generation received received that promise. All of the other ones that we don't read about, but all those other ones for hundreds of years, they were born a slave, they lived a slave, and they died a slave by faith. And they didn't receive the promise because it wasn't time yet. But they still trusted God, even though they weren't living during the time that they would be able to actually experience and see the promise. There's actually one right now that no Christian has experienced yet that's been a promise that none of us have received. Do you remember what Jesus said 2,000 years ago? I'm coming back. None of us have received that promise yet. Does that mean we don't have any faith? Maybe it takes even more faith to actually live through a generation knowing that the promise is coming and you never experience it, but you still believe. That's these guys. They were all the ones born before Moses, way after that, during the 400 years of silence before Jesus came and after the last prophet. I mean, these are the guys that we never hear about, the people who lived in a hole in the grass. We don't even know their names. But they were given medals for their faith even though they didn't receive what was promised. They weren't in that time. It messed me up so much, you guys, until I decided to reevaluate. And I went, well maybe the greatest faith is not, this is a great faith, it's it's fantastic, I love this. I trust God will work things out. What if there's actually a greater faith than that? What if the greatest faith that we can ever express is this. What if the greatest faith anybody can ever have is I trust God no matter how things work out. That's what these guys had. In fact, I would say the first group had that too. They weren't trusting God to conquer a kingdom. They were trusting God no matter how things worked out, and God says, I'm going to use you to conquer a kingdom. That's how it's going to work out. But I had to go, wait a second. What's a faith that both of these groups could have that marks a great faith? And it's not this one. It's this one. I trust God no matter how things work out. Now it is incredible when I think about a person who stands up and says, you know, I, I, I trusted God and I prayed, and I, I just believed that God would heal my wife. I never doubted it at all, and my wife was healed, and I am blown away by that. Do you know what blows away blows me away even more? If somebody did stand up and say, I prayed that my wife would be healed. She had cancer. And I trusted God, and I know know God could do it, and I prayed that he would do it. And I know he's a good God. He's in control. He knows what's best, and he loves me, and I know he loves my wife. And we did not stop praying, and my wife died this last week. And I say, well, man, how are you? And he says, I trust God more than I ever have. That blows me away. How can somebody do that? How can somebody trust God when their wife has just been taken? How can somebody trust God? That impresses me. This actually kind of makes sense if it works out. And there was a guy, an elder in the church we were at in Carson City, and one of our elders, and he did get cancer. And I remember going and seeing him on his deathbed. And him saying, God knows what he's doing. And yeah, we prayed that I would be healed, but it looks like that's not God's plan. Praise God. Wow, That's impressive faith. This group is showing an impressive faith. And then I think, how can I get there How did these guys get there? How did these guys go? Looking at other people escaping the sword, and now they're dying by the sword. Looking at other people conquering kingdoms, they're being conquered by a kingdom. Looking at people that are are administering justice, and they're being tortured. How? How were they able to do it? And it's because of the perspective that they had. They had a bigger picture than my little narrow picture that I have about my own little life. They knew it was bigger than them. It wasn't about their life. It's not about our lives. It's about something bigger. Look what it says. It says in verse 39 again, and all these were, though committed through their faith, didn't receive what was promised, and they were okay with that. Why were they okay that they didn't experience the promise? It says, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect or made complete, What does that mean? Look at it again. He says, since God had provided something better for us. this This is the people in the first century, this Hebrew church in the first century. He's talking about people who lived hundreds of years before. Hundreds of years before. And he says, their life wasn't made complete until right now when we just came along. God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they wouldn't be made complete. You guys ever heard of the butterfly effect? Butterfly effect has this idea that a butterfly on one side of the world flaps its wings and through a series of like, think about dominoes that keep falling and falling and falling, and then a series of things and over years or whatever, there's a hurricane that happens on the other side of the world. That's butterfly effect. There is a spiritual butterfly effect that we have no idea that it's happening until we accept that it is happening. This guy who was in prison for the rest of his life, whoever that was, 500 years before this first century Christian church, knew that God had a plan way bigger than him and that somehow him being in prison for the rest of his life would have an effect on somebody else, maybe the guard, who had an effect on somebody else, maybe that other an effect on somebody else, effect on somebody else, an effect on somebody else, effect on somebody else, over a 500-year period where somebody in this church followed Jesus Christ because he stayed in prison for the rest of his life. And then... His purpose, his ministry, his life was made complete because this this person who lived hundreds of years later finally came to Jesus Christ. Wow. Bigger than us. You know how they could do it? Because they also had something that was different than I did too. I would ask this question all the time. God, God, What's your plan for who? For me. How many of us have asked that question? God, what's your plan for me? Maybe as we get really old, we go, I wonder what his plan was for me. But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it tips at some point. But, God, but you guys, we still, I ask, I, 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 God, what's your plan for me? It's a normal question. It's a question you just ask. These people knew that wasn't the question. When we ask God, God, what's your plan for me? God says you're asking the wrong question. This question, though it has such a, I, I go, oh man, I'm trying to be sincere, and I just want to know what God's plan is for me. It's still about who? Me. It's still about me. I wonder what his plan is for me. I wonder what his plan is for me. God says, Will you stop making it about you? The Christian life's never about you. You want to, you want to know what God, my plan is for you? Eternal life and my presence for you know for eternity. An inheritance that you have that can never be unfaded. And I've, I've told you the plan for you. I've already told you the plan for you. Already done. Stop asking about you now. You're taken care of. The plan's been all set. These guys, they did you remember when they said they, they didn't accept release, knowing that they would have a better resurrection? It's okay if we're in prison for us It's okay if we're tortured to death. You know why? Because I already know God's taking care of us. It's all, it, He's already—he's already taken care of the plan for me. I wonder who's going to live 500 years from now, that because I die by the sword today, God will actually, in His sovereignty and how He works things, will actually bring somebody to Him because of this. Wow. I'm okay. This isn't the question. Get us out. God, what's your plan? And instead of saying, what's your plan for me? If you want to add something on it, how about this? What's your plan for everybody else? I'm already taken care of. What's your plan for everybody else? And how? Do you want to use me? What's your plan for everybody else? How do you want to use me? Well, my plan for somebody else is that there's going to be this Hebrew church in the first century. And I want them to be exposed to the gospel. I know this is going to be really hard to believe, But you're gonna need to live in a hole in the ground and be destitute for the rest of your life in order for that to happen. Are you in? Yeah, I'm in. Because I just wanna know what your plan is for other people. And God, how do you wanna use me? How do you wanna use me? Changes everything, doesn't it? It changes everything. about God and about other people. That's how they could say, I trust God no matter how things work out because it's not about me. Man, I wish I would have heard the story of Isaiah when I was a kid. But I can understand why that didn't happen. You know, the Sunday school teacher coming in. Hey today we're going to talk about a prophet his name was Isaiah. He was a preacher of the word of God and he went to a king that God told him to go to and told him the truth and the king didn't like what he heard so they put Isaiah in a log. And then they took a saw and they sawed the log into and he died. Okay, a 4-year-old probably doesn't need to hear all of that. I get why we don't do it. Here's the coloring sheets. Oh, you need more red crayons, okay? Here you go. And you as parents, we'd be going, what are you doing to my kids? You know, I get why. But you guys, there's also a sense where we need to say that. Those kinds of truths, probably a little better way than I just said it. So that our kids don't grow up thinking this. But they grow up thinking this. And they grow up thinking this. That's what we do. What's really interesting is I still think that God actually has this plan. But it's not individual. It's for humanity. Everything started off really well. Then, sin. Oh my goodness, the wheels fell off. And then now God is orchestrating throughout history, over time, a plan to redeem mankind back to him. And then one day, there's going to be a thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ on this world. And at the end, Satan is going to get let let out of the bottomless pit, get all the nations together to war against God. Oh, wait, it's done. God blows them away in eternity with him. With the redemption of, of as many people as possible in humanity. That's God's plan. Disney ripped this off from God. Just saying. (laughs) We are somewhere on this. I don't know where. Somewhere on this. Boy, we'd love to see that promise of Jesus returning and be part of this generation. Receive that promise. But it's okay if we don't. It's okay if we're the people that we lay down a foundation for the next generation to continue the faith going and to continue the faith going so that when Jesus does come back and he asks that question, will I find, when I do come back, will I find faith on the earth? The answer will be yes. Because we keep asking this question. There was a uh, girl in our youth group. She became a leader in our youth group. Krista Wickerham. Oh, Sherry, I'm going to give a really, Sherry could give you so many details, but um, was she like late teens, early 20s, right? Yeah, for what happened. Yeah. So long story short, she's 20 years old, and she finds out through a process that she has cancer in her head, and it's, it's terminal. And, I mean, she was just somebody who wanted to get married one day. Just prayed that that would happen. And she gets us cancer. And she, she was part of our youth group, and she heard the truth that we shared on Sunday night about what a real, a genuine faith is based on, the character of God, that he is in control, and he knows what's best, and he loves us. If you believe those three things, man, you'll trust God through anything. And she did. God's in control. God knows what's best. God loves me. Friends would come into the hospital, Peter, as she continued to get worse and worse, not better and better, and pray for her, pray for healing. We all prayed for healing. We all prayed that God would do that. We know God can be glorified in that. God does that, but not all the time. Because maybe it's a better plan that he has for humanity. That we require our death. And on her deathbed, she's still saying, God's in control, and he knows his best, and he loves me. This must be what's best, Just trusting God. And at her memorial service, there were so many people you couldn't count them. Not just of believers, but of unbelievers in her college age group, in her college that would come and see who is this person who trusted God no matter how things worked out. Who does that? Who would have that kind of faith in Jesus Christ? There must, be something. there must be something about Jesus Christ if somebody could trust him with this. I don't know how many people came to Jesus Christ because Christa died. But I know a bunch of people did. And we still don't know what the end of her story is. I don't think her story is complete. Until that last person comes to Jesus as an effect, butterfly effect, from her death at 20 years old or 21 when she died. This gives great context to chapter 12. You ever start with chapter 12, you know. So therefore, view of all these witnesses, all of these people in chapter 11, let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Laying aside everything that could hinder us and the sin that easily entangles, and let's just keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. We are all on basically one of two paths either the first three quarters of chapter 11 or the last one quarter. God will have some of us in this room for the sake of humanity, not for your sake, for the sake of humanity will have you conquer a kingdom. He will have you escape the sword. He will have you administer justice. He will have you escape the flame. He will do that with some people in this room because for you, how God is going to use you, more people can be reached with the gospel if that happens. There are other people in this room. The race that we have, the path that we have, we go, well, that looks a lot darker. A lot of bumps and... And this person has an incredibly smooth path. That's why he says, fix your eyes on Jesus, not on somebody else's path. But as some of us, we have a path that's going to lead to living in a hole in the ground for the rest of our lives. Nobody will know who we are. You're going to be working at Starbucks forever. No! Because God has somebody that's going to come into Starbucks because of you, it's not about us. He's gonna have some of us go through very, very difficult times for the rest of our lives for the sake of humanity, because you're already okay. God's plan for you has already been accomplished, but there's a lot of people out there that don't have a good plan for eternity for them at all. Am I right? Are you willing? I just trust him no matter what happens, if it's for the sake of somebody else that you'll never even know, somebody else that'll live 100 years from now, will come to faith in Jesus Christ, and you have no idea how it's gonna connect, no idea. But he has a purpose. He has a purpose if he has you conquer a kingdom. He has a purpose if he has you dying by a sword. That's just bigger than us. So as we close, you guys, here's our prayer as we think, think about, okay, I want to have a, a faith that trust him no matter how things work out because I know this plan, bigger than me, I just want him to use me. That it's okay, I think, to pray this. God, I am willing. I'm willing to be destitute if for the sake of humanity you have some plan that I'd be better used if I'm destitute to bring somebody to you to use me for your plan for humanity. But I'm begging you, can I please be in the first group? That's okay to pray. Jesus prayed that. Just make sure you end it with, but not my will, but yours be done. And mean it, but not my will, but yours be done. But it'd be great. You know what's really weird about Christians We are really insane at times. There's some of us that we will start looking at the second group and we'll say, hmm, which group was Jesus in? The second one. Jesus also, by the way, he prayed this to his father. What's your plan for humanity and how do you want to use me? Well, I'm going to have you live a life that is going to be subservient to everybody else as a slave to all humanity. And you're going to be tortured and you're going to become sin. And you're going to go through a painful, painful time. Jesus said, okay. I'll do that for humanity. I'm already okay. I've already been taken care of. How can I be used to take care of other people? Some of us are actually going to look at it and go, well, Jesus was actually part of the second group, and I know this sounds crazy, but I really want to be like Jesus. God, I'm willing to be used by you however you want to use me. And if you want to use me to further the cause for humanity, your, your plan for humanity and conquering a kingdom or... Um, being known or administering justice or escaping the sword. I, I'm willing. I'm willing for that if that's what's best for humanity. But God, if it's okay with you, I kind of want to be in the same group as Jesus. And give up my life so that somebody else would be saved. But whatever you want, whatever you want. Can you imagine praying that? I mean, on a cruise ship, you guys, there's a lot of people with different jobs. The activities director is really fun. Somebody's gotta be in the bottom shoveling the coal to make the ship go. Somebody has to be. And maybe some of us are going, I'm up for that. I'm up for that. If it will make other people conquer kingdoms, I'm up for that. So God, just use me. Either way, you guys, let's just pray this. God, what's your plan for humanity? How do you want to use me? And I'm going to trust you no matter how things work out. That is an impressive faith, don't you think? Man, let me pray for us. God, thanks again for this. Reminder of what an incredible faith does look like. (laughs) Wow. I'm still saying, wow, God, and I've gone over this so many times. So, oh, man, God, that you would uh, make my heart be like your son Jesus' heart in the way that he trusted you and in the way these guys trusted you in chapter 11, the first group and the second group. Just saying, God, what's your plan for these other people? Not me. You've taken care of me. So God, how do you want to use me? And God, we trust you. We know you have a plan that goes far beyond our lives and to other people's lives as well. In your name, amen.